Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. if you turn to the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, in chapter 11 and 12. And we're going to start a whole new series today um, that's called We Could Be Heroes. And uh, the, the, the reason for the series is this. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to do one very particular thing in this season. I think the significant gift the Holy Spirit is wanting to give the church in this season is courage. Because I think he knows that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. I think he knows that we've got everything that we need to make a significant difference in this world. We've got everything we need to be dangerous, but we find it really hard when it comes to boldness and courage and getting and taking what we have and leveraging it for the sake of other people. I um, got my hair cut uh, yesterday. I hope you I like it, it's good. Thanks. I think it's quite attractive, really. But, you know, when, when, you get your, when you get your hair cut as a guy, girls, you won't understand this at all. When you get hair cut as a guy, it is the longest time you ever stare at your face. Unless you're vain like me and you just stare at your face the whole time. But, you know, the most normal guys, they don't spend a whole lot of time staring at their face. They don't do the makeup thing. They don't put the blusher on. They don't do the flicky, flicky eyebrow thing, whatever they do. They don't do that kind of thing. But when you're in a barber's shop, you are confronted with the reality of age and your face. And, you know, I was sitting looking at it and thinking, gosh, I'm old. Where did those gray hairs come from? But I thought something else as well, which is much more profound. I thought to myself, Carl, I'm not sure that you have the courage that you used to have. I'm not sure that you have the courage that you used to have. So it's all well and good you're standing up on Sunday and preaching a sermon about courage to encourage and embolden your people. But actually, where's your courage gone? Where's your courage gone? So I think the Holy Spirit wants to say to every single one of us, the gift I want to give the church is courage. Let me, let, me list, let me give you a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes. He said this, I love this. Many people die with their music still in them. Too often, it's because they are always getting ready to live. Before they know it, time runs out. Too many people die with their music still in them. I see so many people not taking hold of that for which God has taken hold of them. I see young people waiting for their turn as if somehow they got to get permission to do their thing. I see older people thinking their turn is gone and it's past it and I've just got a permission and pray for the young people to have their go. I see busy people I see people running around saying next week's going to be less busy, next month's going to be less busy. When I just get over this hurdle, this, you know, next week is never less busy. <laughs> next month is never less busy. There's always another busy month, another busy year. I see driven people. I see one in me. I see driven people who are so busy building their family, building their career, building their project, building their thing, 
that they miss out on their thing. So, so all I want to do today is encourage you in the real sense of that word and embolden you because the Holy Spirit wants to give the church courage. See, I'm really excited about the fusion thing going to Madrid, and I'm really, really excited about the 10-8 thing on the streets here, and I'm fantastically excited about 24-7 prayer in Ibiza, and I think what Heidi Baker is doing in Mozambique is incredible, but that's just normal stuff. Isn't it weird when it, when it becomes abnormal stuff? When the stuff of the kingdom of God becomes abnormal, when God says, this is normal, I just want to encourage the church to have courage. And so Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, and if you, um, if you wanted to go anywhere to be encouraged, to have courage, here it is. I just want to read five verses, two in Hebrews 11, three in Hebrews 12. Be as quick as I know how, about an hour and a half. Buckle up. Hebrews 11 and 12. And the writer to the Hebrews, we always say that because we've got no idea who wrote Hebrews. She says, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse, <laughs> verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Wow. And then the writer to the Hebrews goes on and gives this incredible litany of faith, this incredible hall of fame, which for the next eight weeks, we're just gonna, we're gonna take characters and we're gonna go take a look at this, check this out, this is incredible. What would it look like to be like, we're gonna do that. But I wanna give you all the details. And then Hebrews 12, and this is, this is important. Hebrews 12, verse one. Therefore, in other words, this is all about this. It's all about you. I've given you this litany of faith, not just so we got it in a book and we can dust it down and read it every now and again. It's about how you live with courage now and with boldness now and how you take hold of it and make a difference and how this is for that and all that stuff. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? And in your power and in your beauty, would you speak your word to our hearts so that we cannot deny it? Would it bring a harvest? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Do you know, I guess the prevalent voice of the world around us is be careful and be fearful. I mean, you might not think that, but just check it out for a moment. You know, we have, we have pads, knee pads for our skateboards. We have nets for our trampolines. We have helmets for our cycles. We have insurance for things we didn't even know we need insurance for. We have health and safety plans for everything in the church's life and in industry's life. And we have antibacterial hand wash for everything that moves. We are, we are insured within an inch of our lives from anything that's going to get at our Lives. It isn't it interesting that we have a generation that is cleaner and more fearful, more anxious and has more allergies. Isn't it weird? This world says be more fearful, be more careful, but the word of God says be more boldful, be more faithful. The writer to the Hebrew says there is this quality There is this thing that you can have. It's called faith. And if you have this thing called faith, it is going to redefine your life. It is going to change the way in which you think. It's going to change the activity of your life and the courage of your life. And you're going to find yourself in the center of God's repair job for this world. In fact, it's going to recalibrate your life to be the new normal. You can't live the same way again once you've got this thing called faith. And then the writer goes on and gives us these illustrations. Check them out. This is what faith looks like. You want to see what faithful looks like? Check out Noah. Verse 7 of chapter 11. Noah spent 120 years, apparently, building a boat in the desert. And that's just nut stuff, isn't it? 120 years being ridiculed by everyone, embarrassing his kids. I know all about embarrassing your kids. Ridiculed by everyone, embarrassing his kids, building a boat in the desert because God had said so. Jewish legend tells us that he probably had to plant a forest so that the trees could grow, so he could harvest the trees, so he could build the ark. And where'd you get trees in the desert? You've got to be intentional about this thing. This is not stuff. This is Abraham. Verse 8, who left his home, he left everything that he knew, he left people and friends to go to the place that God would show him. Check that out. Not, not, not you know, what, what I do, which is, God, if you want me to go somewhere, tell me where you want me to go, I'll go. No, 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 no. Just step out. Off you go. We're going on an adventure. You have no background, no GPS, no map, no nothing. We're just going. Check out Joshua. I love this. Verse 30. God shows up to Joshua. Says, Joshua, we're in this thing called the promised land and there is this big castle thing, castellation thing and we're not going to go around it. We're going to go through it. You're going to defeat this place called Jericho. And he says, but there's one instruction I've got to give you. No swords. No swords? No swords. No swords. Well, that's nuts. You know, you know, these kind of people are behind the walls and you're saying no swords. And, and it's worse than that because Joshua has to go out in front of the people of Israel. And he has to say something like, well, this is a bit awkward, guys. I'm not the man. Moses is the man. You know, Moses is the man. And I'm not the man. And I haven't proved that I'm the man yet. And it's a bit awkward. And this is the first battle. And, and God showed up and it's going to be okay because I met an angel. And he says, no swords. 
No swords. No swords. And, and, and he said, but it's okay. Have we got the worship band? Where's, where's the worship band? Can, can you guys fight? You can't fight. You're lovers, not fighters. Excellent. Could you, and you play the cajon. Okay, excellent. You're going to be a great fighter. Why, 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 I tell you what, why don't you come up here with your skinny jeans and ironic haircuts and like deep V-neck t-shirts from All Saints and whatever you do and just, just, just come up here and what we're going to do is we're going to get the band and you're going to just walk around Jericho again and again and again maybe, maybe let's just say seven times and after seven times you're just going to get really loud and play your instruments and it's all going to be good it's not stuff isn't it it's faith every single story in here is crazy you'd have to ask some serious questions about the guys who are leading God's people it's crazy stuff. It makes no logical sense. It's faith. But check this out. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Who doesn't want to see this stuff? Whose weaknesses were turned to strength, who became powerful in, in battle and routed foreign armies. Somebody hold my Bible. It's good stuff. This is Rahab and this is Moses. This is Caleb. This is William Carey who, who, who disregarded the wisdom of his elders because he'd heard the voice of God say go. This is William Booth who God got hold of his heart for the poor of London. This is William Wilberforce who God said, you know what? This, this slavery thing is not in my heart and it's not in my will and it's breaking my heart. This is you. This is me. This is faith. This is courage. This is what it's all about. This is the new normal. If you follow Jesus, this is faith. So what is faith? Do you know there are, there are two crazy sentences in Hebrews chapter 11 that we probably need to pause at just for a moment. They kind of fry my mind. Verse 38 says this. The world was not worthy of them. And verse 16 says this. But God was not ashamed to be called their God. Do you imagine if that was said about your life? You imagine there's going to come a time when there's going to be a coffin probably here, well, it won't even be here, but it'll be, my, it'll be my funeral. I hope there are thousands of people here. I hope there's going to be really good food out the back, you know, none of that sausage on stick quiche stuff. I want some really good stuff, some meat, proper meat, barbecue maybe. But we, we just, you know, there's going to be a time, you imagine when they actually say things about me, they said something like, the world was not worthy of him. He wasn't going to dance to the beat of that drum. He was going to do something. He got courageous and bold. He didn't always get it right, but he had a go. Uh, but God was not ashamed to be called his God. God says, that's my boy. And he's having a go. That's my girl. And she's dreaming a dream. Those are my kids. And they're making a difference. And they're changing the world that's faith so what is faith verse 1 and 2 two things faith according to the writer is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see I think faith is two things faith is taking God at his word and faith is speculating upon God's power 
Faith is taking God at his word and speculating on his power. What, what am I hoping? What am I hoping in? What am I banking my hope on? I tell you, I'm banking my hope on the fact that God is going to be who he has said he's going to be and he is going to do what he said he's going to do. The whole of my life on that. I'm banking my life on the fact that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's faith. Because you know, I'm, I'm a good father sometimes. I think I'm a good, good father on other occasions. But you know, I, I, sometimes I'm not, I'm, I, honestly, I've said this to you before, my kids want me for two things and two things alone. They want me for shopping, because I'm great at shopping, I love shopping. I, Nikki tells me not to start moving my hands when I say this. Kind of thing. I love shopping, it's amazing. I think it's wonderful, I know about lipstick and all that kind of stuff and I know I know you know Mac and all, I, lo- I love it they, they just they, they want to be with me because I'm a soft touch you know I know what go, colors go with what colors and all that kind of stuff I'm brilliant at shopping I love shopping <laughs> which has got nothing to do with the sermon <laughs> but what they really want me for is security I'm the security of the first world I'm, I'm the dad you know and when they get upset and when they get scared and when they get frightened and when they don't know They want dad to hug them because they think, mistakenly, that I can sort out anything. They think think that I'm not fearful. I'm not concerned. They think that I will do what I said I'm going to do, and sometimes I can. But you know what? You have a father who can. You have a good, good father. You have a father who always does what he said he's going to do. You have a father who, who, who is called Abba, but he moonlights as the Lord of the angel armies. He's got all power and he's got all authority and he loves you. He's going to do what he says he's going to do, which means he's going to bring through to completion that which he's already started in me. He's going to finish the deal. It means that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father because that's what he has said. It means that the story isn't ended until the lion roars. It means there's coming a day when everything will come obviously under the rule of Jesus as it is now unobviously. Because he always does what he says he's going to do. Faith is taking God at his word. And faith is trusting in his power. Saying, I'm going to stand the whole of the weight of my life on the belief of my heart. See, faith is not faith if it's dip a toe in faith. Faith is faith. The word is pisteo. It says, I'm going to stand the whole of my weight on the belief of my heart that God is good and that God is for me, and God has a plan for my life, and God is going to be true to his word, and he's going to show up in power. That's faith. That's faith. So faith is all in, or it's not faith. Faith is up to your neck, or it's not really faith. Faith is in with your money, or it's not really faith. Faith is in with the whole of your life, or it's not really faith. That's, that's what faith is, biblical faith. This is the new normal. So, so it's not unusual that someone should come up here and say, I'm giving my holidays over to sharing faith in Jesus with other people. That's just normal stuff. It's not unusual that someone should say, I'm going to go to Glasgow because God's got a hold of my heart for Glasgow, and I'm moving my home, and I'm moving some of my friendship group. I'm go, I'm, that's what I'm doing, because that's faith. It's not unusual that someone should say, you know, I'm going to go and live in Mozambique 
because God's got hold of my heart for, for that group of people. I'm not going to regard as first on my list my qualifications or my financial situation or, I, or my romantic situation. They're not the first things on my list. The first thing on my list is what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? That's faith. That's faith. It's all in. Wow. And that's a hard message, isn't it? I mean, I find that a hard message because it's that easy to have a lot of faith in some moments and not to have a lot in other moments, isn't it? I mean, it's that easy when you're, when you're young and you have no, I nearly said incumbents, I mean dependents. <laughs> when you have no, you know, a whole bunch of people are suddenly dependent on you. And you, you know, when, you, when you're young and you're with a bunch of guys and you're saying, we're going to go all for Jesus every part of our life, every ounce of my being. We're going to get branded and tattooed and we're going to have the same one and we're going to go for Jesus. We're going to pray at night and we're going to, we're, we're all just in this thing. Come on, the brotherhood. Then you, leave, then you leave university and, and you enter the real world and you have to get a real job. And you realize you weren't busy at all or tired. And, and, and you get a life and then you, as you get a life, you find a partner and she or he is just incredible and they kind of compliment you and complete you and that's exactly how it should be. And, and then maybe or maybe not, you have children and they, they complicate your life even more and and then you start driving them to this place and that place and the other place and you have responsibilities and it costs you money. And before you know it, these things which are good become things that compromise this thing called faith. Because you just didn't focus on this thing called faith. It wasn't that important to you. And, and what happens is you begin to lose this thing called faith. And you, you, you begin to travel around and you, you, know, you, have a, you have a child, a boy maybe, and you find out that he's pretty good at football soccer if you're American and, and then so instead of bringing them to church on Sunday you travel you travel all over the country helping him play in his local regional soccer teams and before you know it he doesn't grow up in the life of the church and you didn't realize that he's not going to be David Beckham he's not going to be David Beckham he's just going to be an accountant who plays five-a-side football on a Monday night occasionally <laughs> But you gave the whole of your life to, to pursuing that and pursuing his dream or your dream or whatever dream it was. And you didn't focus on this thing called faith and you redefined this thing called faith and now you have a faith crisis and what you do with a faith crisis is you blame God for it. So it's his fault. Why didn't he show up and do the things? And I kind of think the Holy Spirit knows that, that that's how the narrative goes. So he gives us Hebrews 11 as an inspiration. And then he gives us Hebrews 12 as a tutorial. And he says, do you know all these witnesses? They're really inspirational, aren't they? Maybe they cause you some grief because you feel convicted by them. But you can run. You can run. You can run the race of your life with perseverance and endurance. And you can win the race of your life. But there's only one way to do it. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. The secret to running the race of your life is to have a singular focus. Now, those of us who are athletes, <laughs> those of us who once were athletes know 
that having a singular focus to any sporting activity is really, really important. If a cricket ball is coming at you at 92 miles an hour, you don't want to have any other focus in your life at that moment. Your focus is this red ball that's about to smack you in the head. And if you don't hit it, it's hitting you. You need a singular focus. And that the writer to the Hebrews says, if you're going to run with perseverance, and you're going to have this thing called faith that's going to redefine your life. You need to fix your eyes and your gaze on Jesus. Why? Because he is the faithful one. He's the only one who's faithful. He's the only one who can do it. He's the only one who can finish the race. He's the only one that can seal the deal. He's the only one that gets the glory. So fix your eyes on him. Fill your mind's eye with Jesus. This is massive. You can't do it. If you come out of here thinking it's a motivational speech and you're just going to work up enough faith and enough courage, you've missed the whole point of everything I'm saying. You cannot do it. He can. He's perfect theology. He's perfect missiology. He's perfect ecclesiology. He's perfect leadership. He's Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the beginning of all things, the end of all things. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and he roars. And he's the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world, and he saves. Fix your eyes on him. And when you do, something incredible happens. Check out the Apostle Paul. He says this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. He says, you and I, now with unveiled faces, behold the glory of Christ as in a mirror are being transformed from one degree of glory into the next. In other words, translated, it means this. As you fix your eyes on Jesus as you focus your attention and the gaze of your life upon Jesus, something incredible happens in the spiritual. You get reflected glory. You become more like Jesus to the point that when you run, you look like Jesus. And other people start to run with Jesus as you fix your gaze on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Run with Jesus and you run like Jesus. Run with Jesus and you'll look like Jesus. Stop trying to run for Jesus. You'll just exhaust yourself. Run with Jesus. Fix your gaze and free your life. The writer says this, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And he's saying two things. He's saying, I want you to get rid of the good things that are not the best things. And I want you to get rid of the sinful things that will just kill you. Everything that, you know, we, we often think about the sinful things that kill us, don't we? You know, so anything that's incompatible with Jesus needs to get out of your life if you're going to fix your eyes, your eyes on Jesus. Everything. Every ambition that isn't Jesus' ambition. Every approval you live for that isn't God's approval. Every addiction that you have that didn't originate in the heart of God for you needs to be gone if you're going to fix your gaze and you're going to have faith and you're going to stand. We know all that stuff. But there are things in your life, my life, they're not bad things. You, you, wouldn't, you don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they're sinful things. No one's going to turn around to you and go, you've got to get that out of your life because that's messing you up. But you know it, it stops you running. It keeps you bound. There, there are relationships that you have that don't a- enable you in running with Jesus. Well, if you want to run, you need to get rid of them. Change them. 
There, there are habits that you have which are not bad. No one's going to say that's sinful and that's wrong. But if you're going to run with Jesus and you're going to have faith and you're going to be encouraged and have courage in your life, you've got to say, I've got to stop doing that. I need some help in stopping doing that. I need some healing over that stuff because this stuff is not bad stuff. It's just not great stuff and God's got great stuff for me. Free your life. Fix your eyes and free your life and focus on your lane. Guys, I see so many people that are trying to run somebody else's race. See that? See people that are going, you know, I'm, I'm going on my marks and I've got my blocks and I've got my spikes and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for the thing. But instead of running full pelt, 100, 100 yards as fast as you possibly can, aiming at the prize, going to hit the tape, you're looking to your left and you're looking to your right and you just fall over. Because you're saying, I wish I had their gifts and I wish I had their abilities. And if I only had their money or if I had their background or if I grew up in the way they grew up or if I could only look like them, if I could be as attractive and classy as Carl or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm just, you're just looking around and you're going, God, if I could have. And God says, no, 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 you missed the point. I've given you abilities and I've given you gifts and I've given you a focus and I've given you a task and I've equipped you for leadership in the way that I've equipped you for leadership and I've placed you where I've placed you and I have a dream for you that is perfectly, perfectly honed for you. And you just got to run your race and you got to stay in your lane and you got to stop feeling jealous about everyone around you and you got to run your race. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on your lane. Free yourself of all the stuff in your life. And finish. For the joy set before him, he endured. What's the joy? I'm the joy. You're the joy. Edinburgh is the joy. Glasgow's the joy. The restoration of all things is the joy. Copenhagen is the joy. Our house is the joy. Zurich is the joy. Liverpool is the joy. That's why he endured the cross, so he would see the salvation of many. That's why he endured the cross, so he would have everything restored to its rightful way and its rightful place. You are the joy. And then he sat down. Why did he sit down? You don't have to have a seminary degree to work out why you sat down. You sat down for the same reason that you sit down, because you finished. Because you're done. He sat down because when he cried on the cross, Tetelestai, he wasn't joking. It's finished. It's accomplished. It's done. It's completed. Everything I came to do is a done deal. You don't have to start looking for new things. It's a done deal. Listen. God is searching for a bold, full generation who will say, I am going to fix my eyes. I'm going to free my life. I'm going to focus on my lane and I'm going to finish the race. I'm not just going to start good things. I'm going to finish God things. I'm not just going to start good things. I'm going to make sure that I, I endure to the point when I become a Christian grandparent with many, many kids and many, many grandkids because I ran as hard. You know, it shouldn't happen, should it? But I see it happening all the time. You get passionate about Jesus when you're about 20. And you're going to change the world with Jesus when you're 20. 
And then as you, as you get older and as you get more things in your life and more people in your life and more ambitions in your life, all that gets dissipated to the point when you're no longer as passionate about Jesus as you were when you were 20. But what if we had a generation of people who said, do you know what, I'm gonna, at 30, I'm going to be more passionate than when I was 20. At 40, I'm going to be wiser and more passionate. At 50, I'm going to be wiser than that. And I'm going be to become a sage who's going to raise up generations because I am going to pursue Jesus with everything I have got. He sat down. Gosh, if I was preaching this in the southern states of the United States of America, we'd be having a ball right now. I'm tired. <laughs> Do you know, I have, I'll finish with this. Do you know, I have this thing, and probably I'll get some people coming and having a chat with me after about this, but I have this thing. That when we get to heaven, wherever heaven is, up, down, round, I, wherever I have this thing. I think that there is open mic in heaven. I do. I just think every night there's like open mic. And I think the apostle Peter has the microphone. I trust him with it. I think he's got the microphone. And I think that, that every night there are like millions in heaven just, just in this arena where open mic comes and they're so excited about the stories. They've heard the stories so many times but their heart is welling up with the stories of faith. And Noah always comes up first. You know, he's, he, 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 he comes up you know, and he gets hold of the microphone. He's, he's a rough looking guy. And he gets hold of the microphone and he says, you know what? God told me to do something stupid. God said, 700 miles from any coast. He said, I want you to build a boat in the desert. And my kids were embarrassed and everyone else laughed at me. And it took me 120 years. And there were days when I just doubted everything. But you know what? I did it. I built a boat in the desert. And everyone roars and cheers. And he takes the microphone and he goes, and he smashes it in the floor. And he goes off. And and then I think Moses gets up and he says, I regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ better than the riches of Israel. And God taught me a lesson and I was weak and I was frightened and I was scared. But boom! And he, got, he takes the microphone and he smashes it on the floor and he walks off the stage and, and Peter's going, come on! The crowd are getting more and more excited. And then one of you comes up. You said, God, God, hold on my heart for a business that he'd been birthing in me for years and I never had the courage to do it because my parents had said, don't go down that track. But God got hold of my heart for it. And you know what? With fear and trepidation and a difficult conversation with the bank manager, I went and I did it. Boom. And I walked off the stage. And then someone else gets up and says, you know what? God's gotten hold of my heart for children. And I, I didn't know how to do it, but we, we started, decided we would foster and we would adopt kids. And our kids, our house just got crazy and chaotic and we didn't have the money. But God got hold of our heart for it and we knew he'd been calling. And so we disregarded common sense and we just did it. Boom! And he throws the thing down. Someone else says, you know what? God got hold of my heart for a people group and an area for, to start a missional community. And I knew that everyone else around me was just having a great time because it was an aging stage of life. But God had gotten hold of my heart for community and for mission and I was going to disregard the normities and the niceties of our culture and I was just going to get bold and I started to share my faith and one after another people got saved and lives got transformed and I started to pray for healing and people got healed boom the city was transformed he threw the microphone before he did the boom bit 
<laughs> Someone else said, you know what? God's got a hold of my heart for, for, for Africa or for India or for Asia, some, somewhere else. God's got a hold of my heart for it. And I've always said, not me, somebody else. I haven't got the gifts and I haven't got the abilities and I haven't got the time, I haven't got the money, I haven't got the background, but God got a hold of my heart for it. And doing it is doing it. And talking about it is talking about it. And I said, I'm just going to go for it. And I don't care. I've counted the cost. I've worked it out and I can't afford it. And it's impossible. But God is a God of incredible faith and incredible provision. So I just said, I'm in. I'm all in because that's faith. I'm standing the whole of the weight of my life on the belief in my heart that Jesus is Lord right now, that God is God and he is good and he is for me and his plan is better than my plan. That's faith. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. Let's pray. Once again, Father, we pray that wheat and chaff prayer. That which was fleshy, there was quite a bit of it this evening. That was just of the preacher. Just blow it away on the wind so it doesn't affect people. But that which was of you, your Holy Spirit for our lives that is supposed to change things, would you sink it deep so that it produces a harvest? Holy Spirit, would you come? And what he's, I think what he's doing this evening is he's reawakening dreams that you have buried very deep. And he's saying, you now with me are a majority. Why not? And I think there are one or two that have said to yourself and spoken over yourself for years, I'm not a leader, I'm not a leader, I'm not a leader, I'm not a leader. Up to the point when you believed that piece of nonsense for yourself. And God says, do you know what? Every single person that I've called to myself is a leader. Capacity is just the issue left. You've got to lead yourself and you have to lead others. The number is the issue. And you've disqualified yourself. Sometimes because of what people have said over you. God says, I'm calling you. And the one or two very particularly that God is calling to plant churches. And you know it. You know it, not because we talk about it a lot, but because every time it's mentioned, every time, every time someone talks about it, there is a quickening in your soul about it. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily describe it as that, but you know that's what's going on. God's got you for this. And the best answer is yes, God. Yes, God. And then it's just a matter of timing and training.
Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? And just finally, before we fight the band up and we do some ministry, there are some of us here who need to be reminded, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you with the gentle whisper that what I have said, I will do. The things I have promised, I will bring to fruition. I've not stopped being God and I've not stopped being true to my word. The things I have said, I will do. You can be sure. Band are going to come. I'm going to invite you to respond to God. Do you know one of the things that we 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 still I mean we still need to get more free in the way we respond to God. I don't know whether it's a cultural thing or or a spiritual thing, but there's still a there's still a freedom that we need to in, in our response to God. And one of the things that I'm going to offer today is we, we as we always do we offer prayer. Um, our prayer team will be down to the right. If God's been speaking to your heart, you want, you want a fresh touch from him, you, you know that you've got to be more boldful and courageous, but you don't know how to do it, you, but you know that you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, you stopped running or you stopped dreaming or you didn't go for it, well, go and pray with the prayer team. They're really good at hearing from God for you. But there are others of you who just need to know a fresh touch from God. Some of your leaders here, it's a safe place. You're not at home. And we would love to pray for you. Our team are going to be down the front. They're going to have oil with them. And uh, the oil is nothing special. It came from Tesco's, I think. It's olive oil, extra virgin, probably. Um, but it's just symbolic of the presence of God. It's symbolic of a touch from God. It's symbolic of the healing of God. We would just love to anoint you with oil and ask God to do his thing if you're dry and you're thirsty. If you're wanting a touch from God, if you're wanting healing, if you want to run with a dream that God has placed in your heart but you don't know how to, if you got stuck, We'd love to pray for breakthrough, for anointing. So we're going to pray for that at the front. If you'd love to pray over something else or you'd love to get some healing or some breakthrough and you'd love to go and speak to someone at the side, go do that. But at the front, just people are going to anoint you. They're not going to counsel you. They're not going to ask what your issue is or why you've come. They're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit for you. And we're going to spend some time with God. So why don't we stand together if you can. Let's worship Jesus and let's do business with God.